This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of the North Church, as part of the 2023 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Hey, welcome to evangelism training. Hey, how's, uh, how's Friday morning? Good? Yeah? Um, I like Fridays because when I was a student, working 2 to 11 was fun for me for some reason. Uh, I liked stocking shells. I liked, uh, I liked taking those big, I, I worked at Walmart, I had those big water things. I, I, would, I would have to stock that, then I had to stock the ice. And then, and then after I got done with that, I got to walk around Walmart and help other people, which was fun because I got to know a lot of different people. I got to know a lot of like my my, uh, my peers, and I got to know a lot of like different coworkers throughout the area. Which you know, if you're stuck in one area, you only get to know a few people, which is good too. Uh, a little, hey, if you see the title, we're gonna get into that a little bit more. I want you to get to know me a little bit more too. So go ahead and hit the next slide. This is me. This is my family. Maybe you've met my wife, Hannah. We've been married for about seven years, coming up on seven years now. We had uh, three kids. We have three kids, not had kids. Uh, Luella is our oldest. She's five. Uh, Ellis, with the top knot, I know a lot of you guys have made comments. He's a, and you guys like it. I like it too. That's what, this is the reason why we gave him a top knot. Uh, he's three, and Ren, the wild child, is two. Uh, and. These pictures right here on the side just to like show their personality a little bit. So I like those pictures. And I want you to look at those pictures because they can be crazy and like go nuts and tackle people on one hand. And on the other hand, they, lo they love reading. And you, you could give them a book and they'll last maybe an hour, two hours just sitting there looking at those books. That's half price books. Anyone like that store? Love that store. I always go to the Christian section to see what they have too. Um, uh, next slide. A little bit more about me, too. Uh, before coming on staff, I graduated in 2013. And after that, my first job was actually one of my favorite jobs I worked. I worked at Starbucks. And I worked at Starbucks in downtown Minneapolis called the IDS Center, which is like the heart of downtown Minneapolis. So there, you got a lot of people from different walks of life coming into this one building just to get their morning coffee. Uh, and then I also worked at a dance studio at the same time. That's that, that's that top right picture. If you didn't know, that's a fun fact. I used to be a competitive dance teacher. So I would travel with girls to different places and we would compete and we'd take home the gold. Yes, we did. We won. We did win. Uh, and it's funny too, because I was the only guy working. Uh, even, even when I was working at Starbucks, I was pretty much the only guy working at Starbucks. Uh, I, and, and then I transitioned to becoming a teacher. That's just like, you, know, you guys have like Spirit Week, right? You guys done Spirit Week? So yeah. I think it was like Fantasy Character Week. And then, I don't know, can, you, can anyone tell who I am? Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, who said that? Yeah, I'm Gandalf. Uh, with a blue robe and uh, I just found a stick. <laughs> and I think I just, I took some uh, construction paper and then just like made a hat out of that. And a beard too. Uh, I wanted to share this too, because after I graduated, I had to learn how to walk with God. Like when you're in this context, I, I was just talking to Jordan, it's fairly easy. Like everyone around you is doing it. Everybody's reading the Bible in the morning. Everybody's going to talks like this. Actually, you have to get signed up for it. And, uh, and then you graduate. And then you get on campus too, you have your friends, you have your community. 
and then you transition to something where it's just different. You're not, you're not used to it. And you, so you have to learn how to walk with God. You have to take everything that you've learned and apply it now to the workplace. And it was a learning curve. It was really, really hard. I remember, like, I, this, this is beside the point, uh, I remember that year being the closest that, man, I could easily walk away from God right now and people might not know that I'm walking away from him. It might take a while till somebody finds out that, hey, Billy's not walking with God anymore. And so there's a difficulty there. So how much more difficult is it for you to share the gospel if you don't even believe it yourself? And there I got to experience the joys of walking alongside these coworkers right here with, again, different walks of life. Like some hated Jesus and some were neutral. Uh, I got to have conversations with some of those women on the top where you know, I, I teach class and then we'd both come to the break room and then we would talk. And I got to hear about Abby, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, there she is, somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter who she is. Uh, I got to hear about how she thinks that life is all about being a tree. And you, when, when you're a tree, you, you grow into these different parts and you learn different things. And they're like small, small kernels of truth, but not true. And I got to hear from uh, that guy in the middle at Starbucks about how he does not like Jesus because of what Jesus talks about, what the Bible talks about when it comes to uh, how do we think about relationships? Is it between a man and a woman? Is it between, uh, you get what I'm saying. I think you get what I'm saying. Uh, and then, after becoming a teacher, I worked in the public school, and there it was really difficult. Like, hey, I'm not allowed by the government to even talk about spiritual stuff, so how do I do this? How do I live as a Christian in the workplace? Then I transitioned to a private school, and after working for a private school for about four or five years, I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. And the reason why I couldn't do this anymore was because I was working at a Christian private school, and that Christian private school put me in a bubble, and, I, and there came a point where I was like, man, something feels unnatural. This doesn't feel right. Like, I am surrounded by Christians, all my coworkers are Christians, and I get that, you know, some of my kids I'm teaching aren't Christians, but I, again, like, there's a, there's a line, like, as a teacher, like, I, I can't take these kids out to lunch, I can't really have these spiritual conversations that I want to have. And so I felt a barrier, and what felt unnatural is actually what I hope that you would feel too. I hope that it would feel unnatural for you to not live amongst unbelievers, for you to stay in a bubble and just live a comfortable life. Uh, and the reason why I want you to feel that is because to be a Christian means that you have to have non-Christians in your life. I think the Bible is clear and calls you to, to do that. Uh, and to be a Christian and to share the gospel, they're not mutually exclusive things. I'm just being really, really clear. They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, one little thing I just want to mention too with evangelism training, like you'll, you know, you'll come to these talks, you'll have conversations. We can't cover everything, so I want to challenge you guys to be lifelong learners of the word and of people, because the way we think about evangelism is, is, is going to change, because people change, and you're going to interact with different people throughout your life. And if you don't, if you take everything like, the, like a science, you treat everything like a science, then you can't love people. I don't want you to not love people. Um, I'm aware, too, another little thing in my head I want to say, there are people who are introverted in here. There are people who are extroverted. There are people that might feel bold about evangelism. Some people that might feel scared. Uh, some people might consider themselves outgoing and shy. And I'm glad you're all here. I'm glad all of you guys are here. I'm glad, and I want you to say that no matter where you are in the, any of those spectrums, 
This is for you. Um, let me ask you guys a question. How many of you in this room know somebody that does not trust in Jesus? Raise your hand. Great. Great. Love that. How many of you think you are gifted in evangelism? Raise your hand. Thank you. I'm glad you're raising your hand. Raise it high. I will raise my hand too. Uh, how many of you want, okay, don't feel forced to raise your hand here, want to learn how to be a better evangelist? Raise my hand. Hi. Great. Me too. I want to. Here's another, one more question. I think it's a slide. I think. Maybe it's a slide. Do you feel like you are a blessing and a means of grace to other people? Raise your hand. I'm not surprised. I feel like there's a lot of more hesitancy. Raise them high again if you, if you raise your hand. Yeah, we're about like 50-50. And I'm, again, I'm not surprised. And so here's my aim. That you would be convinced that God wants to use you, you, that did not raise your hand. He wants to use you to spread the gospel to other people around you. And you, who did, your, did raise your hand or did not raise your hand, that you would walk away inspired to be a lifelong laborer and give your life away for the sake of the gospel. And what I mean by giving your life away is, say, I'm not living for myself, and we're actually going to get into it a little bit more uh, after that. Uh, so here's again a question, similar question, just rephrased differently. Do you believe that God can use you? Think about it for a moment. Do you believe God can use you? When you did not raise your hand, why don't you think God can use you? When you did raise your hand, why do you believe God can use you? Because I think for both of you guys, there are right reasons and wrong reasons. Do you believe God can use you? And what I want to say to, again, whether you raise your hand or not, I believe you can. And, and here's why. Uh, God uses, hey, note, note the quotation mark here, extraordinary people extraordinary people as a means of grace to bring people to himself. Not extraordinary. He uses extraordinary. And if I were, again, to take a guess, in this room, none of you guys are going to be uh, these extraordinary people who are going to be like John Piper writing books and all this stuff. Uh, I, my, my guess is most of you guys are going to go into the workplace and go back to the college campuses and do everything normal like every other student does and every other accountant does and every other nurse does. My guess is you're going to be like them in a good way. And I, I love that, by the way, I, I, God, because God uses extraordinary sinful people. Did I say sinful people? Sinful people as a means of grace to bring people to himself. And how do I know this? Because God has been faithful since day one. God made a promise in Genesis 3 that he would bring in the snake crusher. And when Cain and Abel failed, he remained faithful. He said, I'm going to raise up Seth, and through Seth now is going to come the lineage of Jesus. And you have all these other Old Testament figures that all throughout history, throughout the history of Israel, they failed. And who remained faithful? God did. God remained faithful to keep his promise throughout those generations of failures, and he remained faithful to his covenant. And then he kept true to his promises, again, with ordinary people, Mary and Joseph. Through those people, he brought the Messiah. 
The Messiah came through two ordinary people, and then Jesus chose 12 ordinary people to, to live with them and disciple them and invest in them. And those 12 ordinary people, or 11, and then, and then some, uh, ordinary people started the church. And that's where we're at today. And, and then he used more people. Uh, then he, then he, he raised up a murderer, Paul, to be one of the greatest evangelists to spread the gospel where it has not yet been named. Then he, t- then, then he used Paul for, and, and Timothy and Titus and Luke, and etc. You can look throughout the New Testament, look throughout the Old Testament, and see God's faithfulness. And then you fast forward. You see this in real life. You see uh, early, early Christian history. I don't know if you guys know who this guy is. Athanasius. He raised up a man to go against Arianism. Arianism is basically that Jesus is not God. And he, he remained faithful to what's true, to himself. And then he raised up Martin Luther against indulgences. And he, he raised up, again, an ordinary man who had no idea what he was doing. He was kind of going crazy, actually. And he became a monk. And then he, he started reading the Bible and he started seeing, this is what's true and what we're being taught is not true. And, and he, so he stuck to the scriptures. And, and then now we have what we call the Reformation happen, right? Uh, then he uses missionaries like Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Jim, I mean, just one random note, was a wrestler. Some of you guys may have wrestled in high school. Uh, Hudson Taylor, some of you guys are studying medicine, just like him, in this room. And then he uh, raised up guy, another guy like William Carey. I don't think anyone here is a shoemaker. Um, maybe one of you guys is a shoemaker. Uh, he raised up three ordinary, like, these are just three people uh, who became missionaries and saw, hey, there's a need over there, I'm gonna go over there. Because there's a need. And God can use me. I believe God. And uh, like two weeks from now, I want to share a quote from William Carey. Then I'm just gonna dangle, dangle the carrot. Uh, then, then like people, people went like let's let's come more to today. Uh, Hannah and I have been intentionally living amongst our neighbors. We will intentionally go to the same shops over and over again, so that when I walk into Target, the little Target that Hunter used to work at, Grant works at now, uh, uh, the little Target is by my house, and I've had, I, I mean, I've had conversations with Donna, like, throughout the years of going to the little Target, because we have a little Target next to us, and then going to Kim's Chow Mein, again, just like, really close to us, and talking to Lena, yeah, really good place, really good food, uh, and Lena has known me since college, so that's, that's uh, I don't know how many years. Uh, but I've, I've talked to Lena. I've known Lena for many, many, de- over a decade. Uh, and, and then there's other shops that will frequent on purpose so that we can live intentionally with people who do not know Jesus. And then you have people over here, the Chekas. Uh, just, just you here, Ariana here? Great. Uh, <laughs> who, who have been living intentionally with their neighbors who they would only know this, like Lucas shared this with me, that they're universalists. They would only know this because they've been sharing their lives with their neighbors and have invited them into their homes, invited them into small groups to have spiritual conversations and love them. And I, th- I think you said something about mowing the lawn and stuff like that too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, that's just the way to love your neighbor. And you might think, oh, cores and checkups, that's a bad example because you guys are on staff. But I got more people that I know who have, been a part of campus outreach and we were students when I was a student. Uh, next slide. The Hansons. This is a guy I went to college with. 
uh, actually both of them I went to college with at St. Thomas. Uh, since graduating, they have intentionally loved on their family, loved on their neighbors. They have done it to the point where her sister, that's Jessica by the way, uh, will not talk to them anymore, but they have remained faithful. Uh, well, I mean, I, I talked to Hoke on the phone. One of the things I think was really, really inspiring was that he has a dream. I hope you have this dream one day. And he says it has not been accomplished yet. His dream is that one day he would lead somebody to Christ. And he's been, you know, he's been faithfully, I, I want to mark this. I want to make this point. He's been faithfully laboring since college. Like when him and I were in college together, we would go after it. We would go into the dorms. We would meet people. We'd have lunch with people. And he says he has yet to see any fruit come through him yet. I would say external fruit. He's definitely experienced internal fruit. And what does he still expect God to do and long for him, long to see? Somebody come to faith. So he's going to, and he has, and it is. He's a pastor right now uh, somewhere in Minnesota. And he's still making investments. And I love that. Uh, next one. Uh, the Tans. These are people that we actually go to church with. And they sit next to us in the pew every Sunday, which is really sweet. Uh, I, you know, I asked Jeremy, like, how have they been living intentionally to share the gospel? And so they'll, they'll make cookies and they'll go to their na- neighbors' houses just to say, hi, I want to get to know you. They'll host Halloween events uh, where they'll, they'll hand out flyers and say, hey, we want to love you. Come, we'll feed you in our, in our driveway or something like that. Uh, Jeremy will, he's a PT, he will intentionally take breaks in the lunchroom so that he can have lunch with his coworkers and get to know them more and love them and share the gospel with them. Uh, last one. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping for that reaction. I don't know if you can tell who that is. Uh, behind the collar, behind the mustache, that is your very own Hunter Koenig. Um, I feel... Uh, uh, I've, I've known Hunter since his sophomore year, and I've, I've invested years in this guy. I'm like, uh, oh, <laughs> not, not wasteful years. Uh, Someone say I'm I'm proud of Hunter. I'm proud of you for the ways uh, the ways that he has intentionally lived his life for the sake of the gospel. Uh, I mean, even uh, just towards the end of the year, um, I don't know where we were walking away from. We were walking together to my car, um, and he starts to share the story. I'm like, where did the story come from? I don't even know why he's sharing the story. I think he's sharing the story because he's, he's excited. He, uh, he went to Plums. Plums is a, a bar, by the way, on campus. If you know the college scene, people drink, people get drunk. Uh, and... I mean, I hope he's okay with me saying this. So did he. And God saved him. And now he's returning to the place where he was once living in drunkenness and saying, I'm going to hang out with the lost. 
and uh, well, it goes to plums. He's sober, <laughs> and uh, he's soberly interacting with a guy. Forgot what was his name again? Cam. Cam, not that Cam. And <laughs> uh, 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 a guy named Cam, uh, and I don't know what where, where the hell they got there, but eventually. He asks, hey, Hunter, Hunter, I haven't seen you in a while. And Hunter says, yeah, I just, uh, I just don't find this satisfying anymore. And the guy says, man, that's exactly how I've been feeling. And from there on, Hunter didn't stop there. He said, hey, let's grab lunch. Let's talk about it. And so he made the move. He moved towards Lost. But going where they were and then stopped there and asked him out to lunch so that they could continue that relationship and continue that conversation. And there's so many more stories. I'm just going to stop there. Uh, well, one more story, actually. Uh, I mean, I'll, uh, me and my wife will intentionally go on campus and have dinner there every Thursday. And, you know, sometimes we'll see people, sometimes we don't. We'll tell people, hey, we're coming. One day as I'm walking through the, the cafeteria area, I say, honey, you want, you want to come join us? And he goes, uh, no. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, right there, I didn't take that as a shot. My mind immediately went to, he's probably making some plays right now. And as I'm walking through the cafeteria, here I see Hunter sitting across from this guy who is not a Christian, eating lunch, eating dinner with him. And that was beautiful. So I share all these stories. Uh, Last week, Lucas talked about how we shouldn't be asking who am I, but instead asking who is God. And I think that now we must ask the question, who, are, who am I? Because we do know who he is. He is Yahweh. He has no beginning and no end. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so this, and this God, this God that we know, is the God that uses extraordinary people as a means of grace to bring people to himself. And that includes you. Hey, raise your hand or not. So in light of that, who are you? That's a question you should think about. One, you are extraordinary. You uh, are not extraordinary, you are extraordinary. I'll stop there. And then number two, this is where we're gonna spend the rest of our time. You are ambassadors for Christ. And if you are an ambassador of Christ, then all of you are called to live a life of evangelism. So what does this look like? Let me uh, read this quick. For the love of Christ controls us. This is 2 Corinthians 5. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through, through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So the question that we should ask and that you should ask is, what is an ambassador? What is an ambassador? Uh, 
You all go to college. You see those people wearing a backpack with a can on it. Who do they? Who do they? Who do they work for? You got a can. They drive a little car with a can on it. Yeah, you got Red Bull cans or your Red Bull cars driving over. What are they called? Yeah, ambassadors for who? Red Bull. What does that mean? Uh, well, let me answer that for you. Uh, well, one quick nugget, uh, little little word. I think it's really important to see and what's really helpful to see that in Latin, it means servant, that the ambassador came from the Latin version of servant. Uh, let me just go to the next slide. I, I saw a lot of different like dictionary definitions of like uh, of an ambassador, and so I Christianized it. You know, I applied it to you guys, like ambassadors, Christian ambassador. Uh, so it's Billy's definition. Uh, a chosen representative of God's kingdom stationed in a foreign land that's called Earth, entrusted with the gospel. Let's keep going. Let's keep defining it. What is an ambassador? An ambassador does not represent themselves. Um, and you see that in the next slide too. Uh, can you hit the next slide? Christ died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I think that's really clear. We'll talk about it a little more, but let's, uh, let's jump into, oh, here's a question to ask yourself. Who and what do you represent? Like if someone were to look at your life, who do you represent? What do you represent? What do you want to represent? An ambassador, next, is accepted by who they represent. You see in 518, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So there, there it is. You were once an enemy, uh, of God, and now he has, in Colossians 1.12, it says the Father has qualified us. You know, he has qualified you through Christ and has turned you from an enemy into an ambassador. No longer are you against him, now you are for him, and you are with him, and you are a family together. Uh, where am I at? Uh, so here, here's a question to ask yourself. I, I think it is very helpful to ask yourself before you even ask who are you. You should ask, Whose are you? Whose are you? Uh, in uh, the New City Catechism, uh, what is our only hope in life and death is the first question in the New City Catechism. And then right after that is that we are not our own, but we belong to God. That is a hopeful statement. What is our only hope? That we belong to Him. Uh, and that's a good reality that you got to start with. And then you ask yourself, who are you in light of this gospel? You are a new creation. It says it in 517. Uh, I mean, you guys, some of you guys know I got a caterpillar in my room right now. It is nuts. All of a sudden, like, I'm outside of the, I'm in the room, and I see the caterpillar. All of a sudden, he makes that J. And then I walk out. I, I'm like, I don't, I really think it's like 20 minutes later. I'll come in. Like, the whole thing is green, and it's in this cocoon. Like, what is happening right now? You guys know what's going to happen. He's going to turn into a butterfly. It's a completely new thing. Uh, and it, so it is with those who are made new by Christ. You are a completely different person. Now, we are saved by grace and saved in order to live different and transformed lives. We don't live for ourselves anymore, like we said earlier. It's not about advancing Billy's kingdom. It's about advancing God's kingdom. We are, number two, we are also ambassadors. Uh, in Philippians 3.20, it says that our citizenship is in heaven. You are not an American first. Your, your citizenship resides 
with Christ in heaven. Uh, all right, next. An ambassador loves what they represent. Next slide. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. You see that? You see the truth. That one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And that, in seeing Christ's love for you, that is what compels you and controls you now. Uh, Lucas talked about this last week. We are natural evangelists for the things that we love. And I love skimboarding. I got to skimboard with a lot of you guys. And it's fun. It's fun to share in that joy. I love minimalism and simplicity. And I love nice furniture. And I love, uh, love sharing that nice furniture, too. I love joking about that nice furniture as well with people who don't like my furniture. Uh, and the, the, the thing that's different about being a natural evangelist for the things we love, what Je- the, what's different about Jesus is that he's better than everything else because he loved you first. Minimalism cannot love me. Skinboard cannot love me. Uh, that caterpillar cannot love me. Uh, but Jesus did. We love because he first loved us. That's 1 John four nineteen. So the reality of love comes out of the personal love. And then that was what propels you then to love. Uh, before, you only had the capacity to love yourself. Isn't that crazy? And then, like five, when you look at 515, he died for all so that all who live might no longer live for themselves. That's not a restricting verse. That is a freeing verse. Because you were once enslaved, and now you can live for something better and greater and have greater joy. Uh, as a new creation, you have new desires. Uh, my love for minimalism, minimalism controls me to buy less. You know, that's pretty simple straightforward. Uh, and my understanding of Christ's love, and hopefully your understanding of Christ's love for you, will compel you to move towards others. So ask yourself, what's your love? Who do I love? Ask yourself this too. This is maybe more important. Have I been captured by the love of Christ? If you have, then you should know you've got nothing to lose. And you will share the gospel. Lastly, an ambassador communicates what they represent. Therefore, this is where the whole talk is based on. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Our role is to communicate what God wants us to communicate, namely the gospel. The really beautiful thing I want you to see about this is that he is inviting you to be a part of his plan, which is a privilege and not a burden. God makes his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And what's really sweet is he reminds you of the gospel at the end. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What you should see is that Christians are active ambassadors, not passive. Well, there, are some, there are some Red Bull people that are active. They move towards you. And then I've seen some monster ambassadors who just sit in their truck and say, hey, you want one? I say, no, thank you. Uh, Christians are meant to be active and move towards people, not like the monster ambassadors. Uh, so question to ask yourself too now is, what title do I hold on tightly to that isn't ambassador for Christ. And what I mean by title is here, let's land the plane, uh, is that you have a lot of titles that are given to you in your life. All of you guys are students. I think all of you guys. Son, daughter, friend, 
uh, when you get older, possibly mother, father, spouse, when you get a job and work in the marketplace, maybe it's barista like me, teacher, project manager, whatever that means, accountant, developer, a lot of different titles in life. Uh, before any of these things, the reason why I ask that question, what title do you hold on tightly to that is an ambassador for Christ, is because you should know this, and you, I want you to believe this, that you, before any of these things, you are a Christian. Um, you are 10,000 times a Christian before you're anything else. And the reason why I say 10,000 is because I took it from somebody else, for one. And I think, but also, I think it lands the, lands the point that you are a Christian way before you're anything else. Like, it's not, I'm a Christian football player, student, and you have all these competing identities, but it's, I'm a Christian, I'm an ambassador. And all these other things are right here. They're subservient to it. And you're, you're going to also get competing voices. Like, I know some people are athletes here. Uh, at least some of the guys that I know from St. Thomas that you're going to be told, hey, you're a football player first. So grit your teeth. So you live from that identity. You practice. You make, your time, you make time to work out. Or, or you're going to go to your counselor, and you're going to get competing identities. Like, hey, you're a student first. Remember, so just work on your studies. Focus on your studies. That's not true. When you're told you're a football player first, that's not true. When you're told you're a daughter first or uh, you're part of this family first, that's not true either. You're Christ first. You're his. And you're an ambassador for Christ. Um, so what now? So what? Uh, what I'm excited about is that 95% of you guys, I would venture to guess, are going to work in the marketplace. When I mean my marketplace is just work, a normal job, uh, as ambassadors for Christ. Most of you guys are going to be going back to campus where there are lost people there. And you get to be ambassadors on that campus, in that workplace. And I want you to live that way. You should ask yourself this. Will I live a life of comfort or live as an ambassador for Christ? And I, I ask that question because I warn you, it is easy and tempting to represent Christ by simply not doing the bad things. Oh, I won't get drunk. Oh, I... Uh, I won't smoke weed. Uh, oh, I won't do bad things, X, Y, and Z. It's very tempting to think, okay, I'm an ambassador that way. It's part of it. But I would even say it's a small part of it. Uh, because of what that passage talks about, that we are meant and entrusted with the mess message or the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, my ex exhortation, my challenge, would be that you don't choose the easy way out and that you would give your life away and be intentional about sharing the gospel and your life with non-Christians. And the really sweet thing about that is like, you might sound, that might sound scary, is that it says ambassadors, uh, ambassador, is that you're not doing it alone. And I, I think that that's an empowering thing. Because uh, I mean, one, you get to share in the joy. Like, think, think about this, uh, that God, when God invites you to be a part of his plan, he wants you to be happy. Third John four says, I have no greater joy than to see my children are walking in the truth. You get to, there's nothing better to see somebody who I would sit, I sat down with that guy for three hours, or no, till 3 a.m. It was probably like five hours in his room. I was like, I'm not getting anywhere with Hunter right now. And but that was not a worthless investment. You get the, the joy 
of allowing God allowing you to be a part of seeing somebody come from death to life. So dream with me. What if every one of us in this room, which is like 100 people, invested in just one person in our lifetime? What if each of us, again, just invested one? Think about what God could do through all of us in this room. What if in our lifetime we invested in two? What if it was two? And we really poured into them, shared the gospel, discipled them, taught them how to do the same thing. Think about what God could do through this small pocket right here in Merle's Inlet, South Carolina. What if it was five? What could God do through, if you, in, in your lifetime, I'm not saying in a year, in your lifetime, invested in five people and gave your life to them. What could God do through those five people that you invested in? I don't even know what the math is. It's a lot. God could transform the campus. God could transform the, the marketplace. God could transform neighborhoods and cities. You're called to love your city that you're a part of. Imagine God, what God could do through this room if we all bought into no longer living for ourselves, but for him who for our sake died and was raised. Imagine that. Dream with me. Let me pray for you. God, I pray that they would, everyone, all of us, including me, would walk away today and this summer inspired to give our lives away for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2023 Summer Training Project, hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of the North Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.